We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, where we often highlight but aren't limited to Buffalo sports, news, media, and entertainment. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Uh, thank you for locking in today. If you haven't subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, turn notifications on, and uh, when you do, new episodes will get sent right to your phone, literally, as soon as they are published been a few weeks, man. My buddy Joe from Queens, he's with me today at Buffalo Winds on Twitter. Pretty busy guy, getting ready to move. We already talked a couple weeks ago about the the engagement, the proposal. That was a lot of fun, and now he's uh, now he's moving, man. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Uh, you know, stressed. Moving sucks. Uh, we also, aside from moving together into our place, we were looking for wedding venues in Rochester because we're getting married in december so we were doing that at the same time so it was it's pretty crazy so <laughs> this will be my last uh official podcast at my uh i don't know bachelor pad i guess uh, where we used to be called the bachelor pad or whatever it was called then. but now it's 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 after this we're gonna have to do them at uh you know with my lady close by i think even though we do have lots of rants lots of salty takes uh over the last couple of years from Joe's old pad. Where's your new pad going to be? Is it going to be similar or kind of close to where you are now? Yeah, it's going to be probably a couple of subway stops away. It's a bigger spot. Uh, it's on a, I would say it's bigger, obviously. Uh, that's kind of why we're moving into it. And it's in a, a, a cooler neighborhood. We are really worried about parking because she does have a car. And parking where she has been has been pretty easy. But where we're going is going to be a little bit tougher. Uh, but she doesn't drive into the city or anything like that. She just, you know, has to alternate it once a week. And and then, you know, if we go out on the weekend with it, you know, she's a little worried about that. So it, it's just stressful. Like, you know, I got I got all this shit. I'm, I'm packing like, you know, no one can see it, obviously, except you, maybe. But like there's boxes to the right of me. There's like stuff in the hallway that's boxed up. And, you know, I'm just uh, it's a lot of a lot of stuff to figure out. Like I got a call. It's just. I haven't moved out of this. I've been in this place for 13 years. So like it's, it's, which is an eternity, I think for New York city for someone to live in an apartment. Sure. And, uh, I gotta like call, I gotta remember like how to do all this. Like I gotta call my bank. I gotta get a new, you know, have a new address. Uh, I gotta figure out how to change the electric to like my, like from my apartment to another apartment. I haven't done that forever. I know this is people might be like, you idiot. That's, Easy, man. But, like, I haven't done it in, like, since 2008. I mean, shit. I don't even think Facebook was around in 2008. Either with Twitter. Maybe they... Moving, moving is fun. Packing sucks. The process of move Or the process of actually moving, that part of it sucks. You're doing it right now. I'm getting ready to do the exact same thing in about, I don't know, a month or so. Now, unlike you, you know exactly where you're going. I don't. I just know that our lease expires where we're at in, in about a month. And we decided to not renew. So where we're going next is a big mystery. But yeah, that, was, that process that is was, coming up. That was on your casual, casual Dork Friday with uh, Joe Yuri, right? Because you weren't sure if you were going back to Buffalo, right? Still not. You're still. Not I'm sure. still not. I'm still not sure. There's a. There's. I'm not going to get into the, like the whole spiel again. But long story short, yeah, I'm still not sure. There's a couple things that uh that are really into play right now and. My wife's career, her job is one of them, and she needs to have that, have that conversation with her bosses about potentially traveling. Plus, like I said last week, she is really enjoyed down here, very active, a lot of 
lot of friends she's made. And quite frankly, you know, I didn't, but over the last six months or so, I've kind of opened up myself a little bit more and, uh, I've started to like it more. So anyway, there's lots to like about Florida. Obviously there's lots to like about Buffalo. Still not quite sure how that's going to play out. But the one thing I do know for sure is that we're out of here, this apartment complex that we've been in for the last three years or so. Uh, so that's coming up. If you, if you did move back to Buffalo, would you buy a home or would you rent again? Uh, I, I, I haven't thought about it. I don't know, man. You know, there's a, <laughs> I think there's a, a fair point to be made that a lot of times you're better off renting than, than buying a home. Now, I know there's pros and cons of everything, but there, there are some pros to renting. Um, yeah, I'll tell you my, my, uh, my in-laws, they've, they've been renting their house for 50 years. <laughs> I, well, I might be exaggerating a little bit by saying 50, but not by that much. They've been there for at least 35 to 40 and they've rented. There's, there's pros to it. You know, shit goes wrong. The roof goes bad. Uh, the, the hot water tank goes, you know, there's a lot of, there's some pros to rent. You guys have a lot I don't of furniture know, that you move. Cause I would say this, if I were you, why don't you like try to do it to where you, you're half, you know, in the winter months, you're in Florida and the summer that, months you go to Buffalo. Like that would be, that deal. would, that would be the goal for me. It would be very easy because of my current job anyway, cause I work remote so I can work anywhere. Her that's, it's more complicated cause she works in it. They need, she's very valuable down here. Whereas in Buffalo, it's not that she wouldn't be valuable. It's just that you have there's, to get a new uh, job. there's less of a need. Well, she, would she? Yeah. In Buffalo. I, I, I know. I don't, I don't think so, but I don't know. You, you, there, are com- there are conversations that are still yet to come and they are coming real soon. So I, I really don't know. In a perfect world, I'd love to be a snowbird. I really would. Wait, I, I got to ask you this. Cause I saw this. I don't know if you talked about this on your other podcast because I never listened to them aside from my own. Um, <laughs> Your birthday was like a week or so ago. You are you fifty? I am. You are you gotta be shitting me. You're really I am. fifty years old. I just turned fifty. Yeah. You I, I look, still I, I still look I, mean, I look amazing. Yeah, I, know. I don't know how. I mean you're ugly, but like you look young. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you know, you look good. I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, and I would think you would be a disaster because I, I knew Pat when or kind of knew Pat like like ten years ago when you had like you were definitely going hard and drinking with you know at places yeah i would think you'd be yeah. like a lung failure like a liver failure by now you'd be i still go sometimes the difference is is that i don't go back to back and it's a uh, definitely a longer recovery period i i mean age has caught up to me a little bit at least anyway i i i used to like look really young for my age like i got proof for cigarettes when i used to smoke back in the day or or you know for alcohol and stuff like that i i got proof for Quite a long time after I turned, but yeah, man, I just turned 50, just like my man, Phil Mickelson's 50, which by the way, so for everyone listening, ultimately we're going to get into, uh, some Buffalo Bills conversation where Joe and I are going to play a little bit of devil's advocate and just, it's not that we're predicting things are going to happen badly, but we're just going to highlight some things about last year's team compared to this year's team that I think anyway, are a little bit cause for worry if your expectation is ultimately overtaking Kansas City and going to the Super Bowl. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. This past week with sports, for me, and especially this weekend, was awesome. It's the first time probably since, I don't know, the early spring of 2019 where things felt relatively normal in the realm of sports anyway. I mean, sports happened last year. We had pretty much no fans for the most part, all the sports. But that's changing now. Um, hockey. I remember I, I'm not really much of a hockey guy if, if the Sabres aren't playing, but I watched at least some of the Carolina playoff game last week and the, and the stands were full and people were going nuts. And uh, the Knicks in your town of New York City just played on Sunday. The Garden, 15,000, man, that shit was rocking. And then Phil Mickelson winning, which to me was the big story, winning the PGA Championship, winning a major at 50 years old, oldest guy to ever do that. That was awesome in itself. But just the scenery and the imagery uh, of all the fans and, and just, uh, it just felt like old time. It felt normal to me, man. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I enjoyed the living hell out of it. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I definitely think what made it special was like it coming back to normal with fans going to games, you know, for basketball and outside. And, and like every day I feel like we're reading like a new story about like, you know, an arena or stadium is like, hey, you know, starting this day, it's going to be full capacity for 
not full capacity. We're going to have more fans, like vaccinating fans. In New York today, they just announced that Jimmy Fallon and and Stephen Colbert are going to have live studio audiences for the first time in like, I don't know, a year and a half before the pandemic. So, right. you know, everyone's getting their, their their stuff done. I got my second shot two weeks ago. So today is like my first full day of, you know, officially being vaccinated or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I don't really care about the golf stuff. As you know, I'm not a golf fan. I actually muted golf on my timeline because mainly because I was sick of hearing about Nate Geary's freaking golf game and all the. For whatever reason, I've talked about this. I'll, I'll, I'll bash it again. Like every every damn reporter, sports person in Buffalo loves to talk about their golf game. I don't know why. No one else talks about like I don't I don't I don't ever hear people who go to the gym come back that as adults are like oh you know I I did I lifted two twenty five today. But like golf, everyone's got to like talk about it, and I don't get it. So I haven't muted. I do know Mickelson won. I don't know how I knew it. I think because people probably said Phil Mickelson winner, but like if they, maybe they didn't include golf. But um, yeah, I guess it's a cool story for him. He's like what fifty five or whatever. No, he's fifty. He's going to be fifty one wow. um, in a couple of weeks. I think June sixteenth. But he's the oldest guy in the history of the sport ever, ever to win a major. That's uh, that's awesome. Plus, he's my second favorite golfer of all time. So for me, it was really cool, man. It just I don't know. It's just one of those days where like. All fell right with the world. And it was one of those situations, and I know you're not a big golf guy, but aside from just golf, I mean, he's a guy that many people, and he, he looked, frankly, looked pretty washed up over the last couple of years. Uh, he's the first guy to win a tournament four different decades, man. He won a tournament in the 90s, uh, or I'm sorry, in the 80s and 90s. No, I was right the first time. 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now the, the 2020s. Uh, so he's won a tournament of four. He's won a major in three different decades. It's his sixth major. It's the first one he's won in eight years. And again, just being the oldest guy ever, it was cool. But for me, as much as I enjoy Phil and as cool as it was golf-wise, it was just a better moment for the fans. And even though the Knicks lost game one, game two's a Wednesday night. And again, you're in New York. I'm a big Knicks fan. I don't talk about them on the show because frankly, they've sucked for so long that there's nothing, you know, there's enough hatred for the Sabres to take up all this podcast. I really don't need to talk about how bad the Knicks are. But that was really cool, man. 15,000 at that garden, just uh, getting nuts. And now I just saw in Buffalo, they announced that more tickets for a couple, some Blue Jay games are going to be going on sale for, for vaccinated people. So yeah, man, it's a really good time. Yeah, I, I, I saw the end of the next game. It's so, you know, I, I may have to like get your advice on this one day, you know, because I'm, I'm moving in with my lady. It's she likes the bills. Like she'll watch the bills, but she will not watch mm-hmm. anything else. So it's very like because she wants to like watch like TV shows, and I'm not gonna sit here and say she drags me to watch TV shows. It's just like I'm like, yeah, I'll watch these TV shows, sure. And then like I don't watch as much sports as I used to do. And don't get her started on wrestling, dude. Like it is like it cannot be on the house because all of a sudden it's like, oh look, you like it's wrestling. You like the guys in the underwear bullshit. And I'm like, can you just leave, like, shut, you know, shut the F up, please? Like, and I just got to be like, all right, I'm changing the channel. Like, forget it. And it's just like, you know, thank God we're like getting, we're going to have two TVs because I'm definitely going to go in the other room to watch wrestling and sports and things like that. So she can watch, I don't know, YouTube or whatever she watches. But it's been like, you know, yesterday I, I kind of missed out a little bit because I did, I did see the highlight. I, I saw the end of the next game because I knew the next game was on. And we had gotten home. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I know we got to get to Bills. But let me tell you this crazy story. And I think people will enjoy this. Or what, Go ahead. Enjoy it. So I don't know if you knew this, but Con Edison can tow your car whenever they want. And yesterday morning, so so last, so last, Saturday night, my my fiance has been like packing her shit. Like, so she's been putting, putting back, throwing all of her clothes aside and blah, blah, blah. So she packed her car at 7 p.m. Saturday night. The next morning, we were going to go out. We were going to go. We were actually going to do some wedding errands and go into Long Island, go to some malls or whatever, just whatever. We go outside at like 1230. Her car is gone. And we're like, what the what the F just happened? Like it was she parked right in front of her apartment, blah, blah, blah. And then like she was like, this is crazy, you know, and all this shit. And like where her car was, there were two cones there that had like a like yellow tape that said Con Edison. So we're like, what the heck is this about? And then, like, after five minutes of us looking, I see down the street 
the Con Edison truck. So I'm like, I'm going to run in the Con Edison truck and be like, what the heck's going on here? Because what do they move it? And while I'm running down the street, about 10 cars away, I see her car. So they towed her car 10 cars down the street, did not call her, did not leave a note, didn't do anything about that at all. And so, like, we were like, what the heck just happens? And she was really, she was kind of shaken up because she was like, she thought her car was stolen. It's a new car, too. And, like, she had stuff in there, like, that she packed because she was bringing stuff in there because we were moving it over. And, like, we get in the car. And, like, when you tow a car, I guess you're supposed to, the wheel is always jacked up a little bit. And then we were trying to tar- turn, turn the car off and the car on. And it wouldn't start until, like, two minutes later, we, we Googled, like, how do you unlock a, a wheel? And then, like, you have to, like, shake the wheel and then, like, turn the car on. And that's what happened. But, like, they towed her car because I guess there was an emergency. They didn't bother calling her or leaving a note or anything. And it ruined the whole day because we were supposed to go out yesterday and like, do things that we didn't because she was, like, shaken up by it. And I had to, like, the, the best part is she was, like, she's not going to listen to this, thank God. But, like, she wanted me. She's, like, we saw the, the kind of some people come up to where she parked because they were, like, we called and like they said that there was no emergency. They don't know why it happened, but we called and she's like, "Go down there and yell at them." I'm like, "What? What am I going to say to them?" I'm like, "I'm going to like threaten to beat them up." And she's just go. And she's like, oh. she's like, "Fine, you don't have to." And it was like one of those tones where she was like disappointed. I was like, "All right, fine, I'll go downstairs." <laughs> so I go downstairs. I walk up to the t- the car with my like tough guy look, and I just go to the car. I go, "Look, dude, I'm supposed to yell at you right now." So just pretend like we're yelling and we just started talking about other things. I did ask them like what happened, but I didn't was not confrontational about it. <laughs> like I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, man, like, how, like, why did you move the car? Like I was animated, but I like there's nothing they could I, mean, I could just sh- yell at them because at that point we had already called and yelled at Tom at Con Edison. So this is just- and this is on a Sunday. Yeah, this was on a Sunday, man. And like. You know, it was just, it was just like, you know, I mean, I did, I mean, that was only the second guy. I mean, in case she ever did listen, there was two guys. The first guy I was animated with, and I went to the second guy, and I was like, I'm tired of arguing. And then I told him, like, pretend we're arguing, because I was like already annoyed. <laughs> you know, because I was just like, cause she was looking down, so I wanted her to like be impressed by my a- agitated state of mind. But yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, and by that point, I was, I was out of it because we had just called them up and were like trying to find answers as to what this was, but we. They they basically said that they had like a manhole like heat reaction because too many ACs were on, so it overheated wherever the the because she parked over a sewer like you know a, a sewer thing like you know the, the the one in the middle of the, the road like on the side. So I guess it overheated, but like it was ridiculous that they didn't call her and like or leave a note or anything. Like it was just like I've never heard of that before. That kind of could just move your shit out of the way, and then I never heard of that. But then also that they didn't call. They said that they tried to call her, but there was no missed calls or anything like that. So, wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it was terrible. It was. You, you talked about the bills. It, I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, other shows that she doesn't watch, and you're right. That could be annoying, but at the same token, it could be worse. Like, what would you do if she like refused to watch the bills, man? That's like a big experience. That that's a big part of your life anyway, and I'm sure that's something you would enjoy experiencing with her man i don't i've been lucky i guess i don't know if i've ever had to have a situation where i dated or was with somebody who couldn't stand watching a football game but man i don't know that that potentially would be a deal breaker for me yeah i wouldn't mind like i, I you know if she didn't like the bills that would be fine with me it is interesting though because she doesn't really like going to bars to watch games and i do and so like this year we didn't go to any bars because of the pandemic. And next year I do plan on going to Bill's bars in New York City. Like I definitely want to go to like one or two. McFadden's, years. right? Isn't McFadden's one of the Well, McFadden's they don't have the game anymore there. They Oh really? They do have the I think they closed down maybe. I know that they lost like the um Matt Cable, the the New York City Bills backer, used to have the Bills games at McFadden's. He changed it in twenty nineteen because it just got too big. And like the service wasn't as good, so he switched it to public townhouse or a public house or something like that. But then they they went out of business, so I don't know where they're going to be this year. To be honest with you, uh, so he's got. I'm sure he's going to switch it and put it somewhere. But yeah, McFadden's used to be the one. There's one in Brooklyn that's really cool that I like. It has like local beers and like like both like they have Jenny Cre- they have Genesee and they have like Resurgence and like all the local beers in Buffalo at the breweries. You know I love my beer. 
they have it there, which is pretty good. I have thought about toying with the idea of uh, maybe like trying to do a Bills backers bar in Queens because I could probably do it. I mean, it's not that there's not that many, you know, there's there's only two sports bars, Bills bars in the city. And there's a lot of expats here and people may not want to wake up in Queens and go into the city to go to Manhattan. They may just be like, hey, I, I want to roll outside and just go to a bar and. I thought about like trying to do something like that and maybe using my Twitter feed to like get people to come and maybe I can get free stuff out of the bar. Maybe they'll be like, Hey, you can drink <laughs> 20 guys. I'll be like done. But uh, yeah, I mean, she, she, she doesn't really like going to games. She likes, she does like the bills or not going to games, but like watching games on TV. Um, it's, but that's that, but like wrestling dude, Oh, forget it. Like, and it's just like, you know, but she's doing you a favor. Wrestling's gotten terrible anyway. She's probably doing you a favor there. Maybe. I mean, I do. I do watch him. I mean, I'm just going to watch it on Hulu. Like, you know, she does go to bed early. Like she goes to bed like at 1030 and I'm kind of a night owl. Like I go to bed like at 1230. So it's uh, I, I'm definitely like I could kind of take control of the TV a little bit at 12 at 1030 and, <laughs> you know, do the Hulu thing. But we will have two TVs. So there'll be another room that I can probably go in. Um it's it's uh, gonna be interesting, you know. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy, man. It's the first time I've lived with someone in in like thirteen years because I had roommates before. So it's like even though we we practically do live together, I know everyone doesn't want to hear about this, but too bad you are because I gotta talk to Pat. But but like basically, uh, yeah, like it's it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I do live with at her place more or less than I do at my own place. Like I'm there five days a week, roughly. But. Uh, it's weird, man. When you leave, like I, this apartment that I've had, I've had it for 13 years. So when I really became, I felt like I became, I, I hate saying like, oh, I became a New Yorker in this apartment, but I get, I did. Cause like up until that point, I was living with like three or four different roommates. I lived in like three or four different apartments. My first like four years in New York city. And I moved here by myself in the, in this apartment. And, uh, it's, it's, I, I came here when I was 28 and I'm leaving here at 41. <laughs> so it's just like, shit. It's like, uh, I'm all grown up, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back with Joe from Queens. Before we talk Bills, I play a little devil's advocate. Actually, this is Bills related. You had a tweet on Monday that I actually found really interesting. I'm not sure if I ended up, if I stuck around to see in your matches, what other people were saying or what you said specifically. But you had a tweet, something along the lines of who's more deserving of being on the Bills Wall of Fame or who should go first? I think that was your your question, whether it was Ruben Brown or Eric Moulds. And I actually think this is a, first of all, because I know ultimately you're going to ask me, I'm just going to tell you right now, the easy answer is they both deserve to be up there. But who deserves to go up there first? That is an interesting question. By the way, for anyone listening, tweet at me, at Pat tweets, I'd love your take on that. But I went and I looked and I know the easy name to say is Eric Moles. And I guarantee if I presented this as a poll, he probably would win Hanley because again, he's second all time in touchdowns, receptions, receiving yards. And I know some people, a lot of people might think Ruben Brown's a little overrated and you know, pro bowls could be an overrated staff, but dude, I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. He played in Buffalo for nine years and he made eight pro bowls. He didn't make it his rookie year. And then his next eight, he made the Pro Bowl. So he's an eight-time Pro Bowler and had a nine-year Buffalo career. I'm stunned. And I don't know. I know Eric Moulds had a little bit of a tumultuous relationship for a while, at least with Ralph Wilson and some of the front office, because I've had conversations with him before. I don't know if Ruben Brown ever being anything other than very popular 
with, with the Buffalo Bills community. I'm talking about not just like the fans, but the organization itself. That blew my, honestly, I forgot that he wasn't even on the wall of fame. But anyway, let me uh, pivot that to you. Like, of these two, who do you think should go on the wall first? And obviously, I'm assuming that you think they both deserve to be up there. Yeah, they definitely both deserve to be on there. They they played, I think, almost the same exact time frame, too, because Ruben was the rookie in 95, and then Moulds was 96. So they basically played, like, the same the same type of uh right you know career for the most part and i think they and i think they le- i mean moles left later cuz he left in 06 and then and brown was 03 i would have to go with i have to go with ruben i think because ruben brown I mean, look yes you're right it, the the pro bowl is a popularity contest and ruben brown like you know he made eight of those maybe he didn't deserve to make all of them but that Eight Pro Bowls, man. I, I think that was. I think it's the second most in club history. I could be wrong on that regard, but it's like, it's it's up there. Like you know what I mean. And he he definitely he definitely deserved it. I I think what makes Eric Molds because because I, I was saying this to because I had mentioned that to it was Aaron Quinn we were talking about this and we didn't really have no one really chimed in unfortunately but I found it weird that more people on Bill's Twitter will talk about Eric Molds like he needs to get on the Hall of Fame or on the wall of fame. He's got to do it, man. Like they got to put him on there, but there isn't much of anything about Ruben Brown, which is weird because as you said, Ruben Brown was very popular. He's a popular bills player. He did really, he did really well for himself. I mean, he was on the radio. I mean, he was on TV even like he was on that WGRZ sports extra, whatever the hell. Yeah. Every Sunday night. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He was involved. He was very involved in the Western New York community post playing days. Whereas Eric is, He's down. I can't remember where he is. He's 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 down south now somewhere. I, I don't remember, but uh, yeah, it's just Ruben Brown's very involved with Western New York. I'm, I honestly I forgot that he wasn't even on the wall. Yeah, shocks me. I, I think I I think to my I think the reason why Molds might get a bigger push on Twitter than Brown is, I think people look at Molds' career and there's a big like what if like what if Eric Molds had like a legit franchise quarterback. For all of his career, you know what I mean, and not like the seven. I don't even know he had like he had like six or seven different guys, blah blah blah. And I I think we look at his his playing like where he, he you know he had like you know he had like that career year in '98 with Doug Flutie. He had a career year in 2000 with Rob Johnson and Flutie, and it was a mess. Like I think there's like this weird, they're not weird. It's like this kind of like man, what if like what if he played with like a legit quarterback? How good would he be? You know, but I, I think it's Ruben Brown based off, off the Pro Bowls. I know that's maybe silly, but Eric Molds, all in all, he had, I think in totality, like four or five really great years. And then other years, he wasn't as good. Some of it was injuries. Some of it was the team was really bad around him. And Ruben, you know, I, I, I feel, I, I don't remember, like, I, I thought Ruben got a lot of, he got a lot of crap when he played sometimes from fans, like I always remember like going to games or being at a bar and there would be a holding call. And then like, it would be Ruben Brown and like the, the bar or the, the, the fans in the stands would like erupt with, ah, Ruben, like really pissed off. Like it was different from like, if Dusty Ziegler got a holding call or John Fina got a call or anything like that, it was always, like he got a little bit more angst about it, and maybe it's because it's it's kind of hold on. Is Con Edison back around your neighborhood right now, or just the cops? Joe is in New York City, and in the background, yeah, we, you can hear those sirens going. Are. But go ahead, my bad. No, it's all good. Sorry, I didn't know what to do. Whatever. Uh, but yes, I just you know he he was popular. He did he did get a little bit of the overrated tag a little bit by some in the local, you know, fans and some in the local media in Buffalo, but. Uh, you, you got to put him first. I mean, because I mean, I do them together, but like, I would say him first. I mean, nine, what was it, eight Pro Bowls. Yeah, eight, and eight and nine years. And I think Moles made the Pro Bowl. I think three times. I want to say with the Bills. Right. I, I look, man. I, I we both agree that Pro Bowls could be an overrated stat to some extent, anyway. But yeah, and again, both of them deserve to be in the Wall of Famer. Now, the Bills have not put anybody in the Wall. Since uh, 2017. But anyway, you go back at a couple of linemen. Ken Hull's on the wall. Ken Hull was a three-time Pro Bowler. Jim Richter's on the wall. Jim Richter was a two-time Pro Bowler. 
Ruben Ra's an eight-time Pro Bowler. Will Wolford is a guy, I mean, he's not on the wall, but he's one of the most celebrated regarded as one of the best Bills linemen in history. He was a three-time Pro Bowler, only two of them with Buffalo. So, I mean, the numbers, they don't lie. I, I would probably say of the two, I think Brown deserves to go in first. But again, absolutely both of them need to be. And I would love someone to like, I know John Vogel did a, a piece on how like the Sabres Hall of Fame hasn't had anyone inducted in years and like it's dormant and like, I mean, and the, I would like to know what the hell are the bill, what are the bills waiting for? Like it's, it's been four years, like since the Pagulas took over, they put, they put in Lou Saban, they put in uh, the other guy that Ralph hated, Cookie Gilchrist. Cookie Gilchrist and, went in. He's the last one, yeah. 2017. And then they did the weird, like, oh, we're retiring the jersey number of Bruce and Thurman, which is fine. Like, okay, fine. But it's like, you didn't want to put these other guys on. And I'm not saying everyone's got to get on the Hall of Fame. Like, I'm not. I think there's a b- debate for Fred Jackson. You know, I don't really want to put Brian Mormon on the Hall the Wall of Fame. It's a punter, for God's sakes. But the you, I think you could put those two on. Mo- Mose and Brown, I think, are the it's them two, and then I and probably Bennett. You should, but there's all that cr- the stuff with Bennett, what he did with the whole like statutory rape, all that sort of stuff. So we'll we'll pin that for now. Like with maybe that's because that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. But if you just want to include just players, it's those three. If you're Wayne, if you take away the off the field stuff, that should definitely be on the Wall of Fame. But I don't know why I don't know why they're not doing that. It's they're I don't know. They're too busy, you know, refurbishing the the yacht to refurbish the Wall of Fame. I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know you got some thoughts on that too with this yacht thing. Which, by the way, I didn't know any. I only know about it because of your Twitter. I was so locked into sports over this past week or so, and again, just a lot of stuff going on. I had a couple of people down here visiting. Just a lot of plans that I really didn't hear much about this Bagula. They well, just it, purchased it came, that? I'll tell you what, it came, I didn't hear about it. It came, I think, on Sunday night, like at 8 o'clock. And I wasn't on Twitter the majority of Sunday. Uh, I came on like at 11.30 at night and I saw like like some 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 website called like superyacht.com, I don't know, whatever, had an article about like the Pagula Yacht, dude. I don't know if you clicked on the link of it, but to give you like the the, the, the things, it's a two, it's 2021 new yacht. It cost them $75 million. And it, wow. and it and it and it costs about five to eight million dollars to like to like keep it updated, I guess, per year. I don't know what the hell they got to do. Like, I mean, a yacht usually just I think they just a yacht usually just sits there. But I guess gas is expensive. I don't know. Which is maybe he gets a maybe Terry gets a deal because he's a gas freaking maven or whatever the heck he is. But uh, yeah, it was it was I definitely gave a like a like it's just kind of like seriously. You bought a seventy five million dollar yacht after you had a bunch of people unemployed from your restaurants and you cut the Sabres hockey staff off basically. And then you bought a yacht for, you built a yacht for 75 million. It's just like, it's, it just kind of makes me like, makes me want to barf. I'm sorry. One, let me ask you one more thing and then we'll go to the bills. Cause I, you know, you know how I like to be the co-host on your podcast mm-hmm. sometimes. Did you read the uh, Buffalo news pieces on the Pagulas with the bills versus the Sabres thing? I read all of them on Sunday. I read all four articles on Sunday. We're taping this late Monday. As of late Monday, which I will read them all. I haven't read I didn't read the Bills pieces yet on Monday. I did read the Sabres pieces. I believe Lance Lazowski had two pieces on Monday. I read them on Sunday. I enjoyed them. I thought they were good. I'm not sure how much I learned new that I didn't already know, but I thought they were well presented and you know, certainly make for great. We could probably do an entire podcast if we wanted to just on those series of articles. I don't know. What, what did you think? I thought they were pretty boring. I thought they were something that I, I don't mean to like cut my own balls off when I say this, but it's something that I could have I could have done when I had buffalowins.com where I would have just told six of my staff members, hey, let's just write about like, why do we think the Bills and Sabres once one's garbage and the other one's good? Because there was no new insight. There was no... I know the one article I read, I for, I forgot who, who wrote it, like interviewed like a couple of like, I'm paraphrasing it, but like professors or experts in ownerships. I, I was like, who is this guy? I was like, I don't I think it was Jason Wolf. I think that piece was done by, by the columnist. And the, the one thing I kept saying, like I read most of them. I think I think I didn't read Bob Gons or not Bob Gons, Mark Gons thing, but I read the hockey stuff. I read Vic Carucci's stuff. I'll get to Vic's in a second. 
But like, I was just kind of flabbergasted. Like, how do you not interview like a former scout, a former anyone from the Sabres to like get me? And, and I don't want to hear like, I get it. Like they sign non-disclosure agreements, but you could get around that and just tell the guy you're not going to use their freaking name. And I, I don't think the Pagulas will like PSE will like go to the Buffalo News and be like, I order you to give me the guy's name or we're going to bomb your facility or whatever. Like they're not going to do that. And like no one did any of that. And I'm just like either like you were kind of lazy about that or you, you, you're you kind of trying to stay face towards the Pagulas and not annoy them because it was just weird to me. Like they, it's one on one, like, uh, you know, for to go in like find, they're, they're they're easy to find. I mean, I have them go into my DMs all the time to tell me how much it sucks for what, what, it was, what it was like to work for the Sabres. So if I could get intel on them, I'm sure they can too. I just thought that was kind of weak, and they could have maybe done a little bit more on that. Um, Vic's article was just – he was pan – I mean, he's never coming on this podcast, so I can bury him. He was never – he he basically was like, oh, like, like Bill's fan – you're naive if you think the Bill's lucked into McBean. And the only example he basically used was Rex. Like he, he says he feels that fans who think that is because of Rex Ryan hiring. And I'm like, no, dude. And like the Rex Ryan hiring was bad, but it has to do with like the one, the Sabres are a disaster, have been forever. Two, anytime they talk in public about anything about the team, I'm like, these these guys sound like they're stupid and clueless. And then three. Uh, you know, you, you, you have like Russ Brandon is like, you know, you put him in charge of the Sabres. Like you do, you've done a lot of weird things. And, and then four, I'll give you a bonus one. You, you, the, the owner constantly talks about how McDermott is like a wrestler or whatever the heck that is. Like he always mentions that like unprovoked, like it's not like someone asks him, Hey, talk about your wrestling. And it just, it just felt like Vic was pandering. Cause I feel like he does that a little bit too much. So I don't know. I thought, I thought, I thought they were okay. I, again, I, I, I honestly, there were no, there was nothing earth shattering about it that I didn't already know for the most part, but I, I, I did enjoy them. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember one thing I did learn that I, I actually, I didn't know was, uh, there was a soup. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. I don't have the articles pulled up or in front of me, but it, it was a super agent who connected Pagula with Sean McDermott that, that set that up that I didn't know about. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. So I, I found that interesting. And on the Sabres side, do I, I do think they were, I thought they were reasonably critical. of. I agree with you for the record. I would have liked to have seen some people comment on the record. And I'm, I feel like they probably could have found someone. But anyway, Lance wrote about, there was just a string of contracts between like 2011 and 2015. Like these five, six year monster deals to uh, a Billy Lano and, and Cody Hodson, and Matt Molson was one of them. Uh, Earhoff, of course, that big tenure deal, which they're still paying for. And then Kyle Ocposo. And it's like, well, if you want to know why this team sucks, look no further than this. Because, I mean, these were all contracts that were five, six, seven million a year. And they gave all these guys all this money over the course of four years. It's like, well, yeah, man, you, you sign guys like that and these kind of contracts and you're paying for it today. So, yeah, I mean, eh. I, I, it was, like I said, I just, I felt like it was, it was six people who they felt more like columns, like six columns where I could, I, I was like, I wasn't learning anything like amazingly new about it. And that's, that kind of just was like, if you're going to, if you're going to have a series of like, and maybe there's another part coming out, I don't know. But like, I read, like I said, I, if you, if you were going to like, present this as like a, a six part series or everyone's going to chime in. I think you needed to have someone dig a little bit more and then have Harrington, you know, yell about how stupid like the Pagulas are or whatever, which, you know, he was, he did a little bit of that, but like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it just didn't feel that. I would say, yeah, I would say this too. I I don't know if it's necessarily a criticism, but in hindsight, if it, if I would have been handling it, maybe instead of banging out six or what, eight articles over the course of two days, that's a lot for even an avid fan to to really digest over the course of yeah. two days. And also maybe have maybe have one a day for like an entire week or something like that. Yeah. I but that said, I I did kind of I don't feel the same way as you do. Like I agree that I really didn't learn anything that I didn't already know, but uh yeah. I still enjoyed it. Yeah, man. and then the other uh. thing too, they had like articles that were dedicated to polls, which I was like, what the heck is this? Like you gotta click on this to poll like vote. Like, why do you think like it was just kind of like 
I don't know. I thought it was a little bit weird, but uh, I, I'll just say this because I tweeted this. I, I I feel like the reason why one entity is 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 horrifically worse. I really do feel like like the worst thing that happened to the Sabers in a weird way was like the Bills being bought because I feel they the the this, the most of the money now is going to the Bills because that's their money maker. There's hardly any scouts at the Sabers right now. There's don't they don't even have PR people I think anymore. I don't even know what they have over there. It's basically like they're like putting most of their eggs in the Bills basket when it comes to to scouting, when it comes to just anything. Like I think it's it's so weird to me like like Kim Pagula can have a Bills podcast and does and but doesn't have anything to do with the Sabers and she's the president of the Sabers. Like nothing. She's commented I think maybe once or twice about the Sabers since she's been president. And it's usually when they fire someone. And I think that if I would, if you're like, and if you're a hardcore Sabres fan and you don't really care about the Bills, I would find that like super insulting. And even if you like the Bills and you like the Sabres, I would still find that insulting. Like, you know, and it's just, I, I just feel that's a big part of that is just they, they, they don't care enough about it anymore. Like they care about it, but they don't want to put in the work to get it done. Hence why they've cut costs. Hence why it's 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 like it's like GameStop a little bit. Like they just they're like it's like dump. You know, it's like you build it up and then you dump it. I guess I don't know. It's it's just it's weird to me. You know, and uh, yeah, that's that's my opinion on it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so as we get into like I said, we're gonna play a little devil's devil's advocate with the Bills. One last thing too. So we said Brown, then Molds. I think we both agree on that, but we both say they both deserve to get in. For sure, I would add, and he, if he's not in now, who knows if he ever will be, but I still think if Jim Richter and Ken Hall were worthy, I think Will Wolford is as well. And then newer, like you mentioned, Fred Jackson, I think Kyle Williams for sure, oh. and ultimately maybe Eric Woods probably should get in before Fred Jackson, which I'm not sure. See, I'm, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, I kind of, even though it's just a team Hall of Fame or a Wall of Fame, whatever you want to call it, I don't like the, the Hall of Very Good. You better be elite if you're going to be on this wall. And I just, Fred Jackson to me, I like him, but he was never an elite player. So I personally don't, I'm good with if he never gets on the wall. But Wilford, Kyle Williams, Eric Wood, for sure. But Ruben and uh, and Eric uh, deserve to get on there first. Anyway, all right. So I want to read a, a quick little excerpt from The Athletic. And I had this in my notes for like, this is probably about a month old, all right? I don't even know who wrote it. I probably should have wrote down who the actual author is, but this is from The Athletic, and this talks about the Bills. And again, this is not us suggesting or saying that the Bills are not as good as we think they are. This is not, well, I can only speak for myself anyway. This is not me saying that I don't think the Bills are more than capable of taking the next step and beating the Chiefs and, and or whoever in the AFC and going to the Super Bowl. But if we're playing devil's advocate, which is today's theme, I think there's some cause for worry. So that's what I kind of want to highlight with you. But anyway, this excerpt from The Athletic, it says this, the Bills have generally followed established team building protocol by re-signing their own best players while targeting specific needs of free agency and via trades. Yet, some in the league wonder whether the Bills have been aggressive enough in adding outside talent this offseason to close whatever gap remains with Kansas City in the AFC. Tampa wins the Super Bowl and runs it back, an executive said. Buffalo loses pretty convincingly to Kansas City twice, and they are trying to get the band back together. Does that make sense, or do you need to fix these issues? Then you go to the draft, and that was based on free agency. Then you go to the draft, where even by Brandon Bean's own admission, they drafted more for long-term than short-term. Are you of the mindset that, hey, are are you at least openly questioning, was this team aggressive enough right now, being a 13-3 and AFC uh finalists to to overtake Kansas City uh I would say by the way before you answer me I'm gonna I want your take and then I'm gonna lay out a couple of things that I think are very fair to question to that would make you wonder if they've done enough but anyway if you want your initial take first you know I would say prior to the draft I was like yeah I think they've done enough because I didn't see, I didn't feel like the Chiefs and the Browns and like the Ravens got progressive, like much better. 
So it was in the what but then the Chiefs added uh the tackle from the Ravens, uh the all pro guy. Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown, excuse me. Yes. I, yes. And I was kind of like, eh. You know, they the Chiefs came out of the came out of the, the, the Super Bowl, and the one thing everyone was saying was they had horrible pass protection. And a lot of it was injury. And so what they did was they got rid of their tackles, they upgraded them vastly much better to protect Mahomes and the Bills, on the other hand, they left that title game against the Chiefs where you really you didn't have enough pass rush. You didn't have a secondary option once they took away Diggs, it felt like, in that game. And you, their answer was basically, yeah, hey, we're going to get a, a, a couple defensive linemen who are going to be projects probably the first year, maybe, and we're running it back with this, you know, Dawson Knox again. It's it's fair to question that, you know, because you have to look at like what other teams are doing. And the Chiefs, I feel like they got better. They wanted to protect Mahomes more, and they didn't just go, "Oh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna sign like you know this like third string guy." Like, and you know, they they signed some beasts at tackle. They re they rebuilt the entire offensive line, dude. They gave that uh, Tooney from New England tons of money. Mm-hmm. Traded for Brown. They got Kyle Long out of retirement, so they basically. Kansas City rebuilt their entire line. Yeah. I think Kansas City was very, or not Kansas City, Cleveland, I thought was aggressive. Now, some of these guys I'm not a big fan of, or I don't know a lot about them, but I just had Bruce on, Bruce Nolan, a couple of weeks ago, and he was he said that he thinks that Cleveland had the best offseason of anybody in the NFL. Uh, Jadavion Clowney's the one big name that they signed, but uh, you know they did a lot. And then they fell into two really good players in the draft who are probably... Week one starters, which is not what the Bills did by design. Um, so that makes you you wonder. But here's the things I would point out to you. So if, if you're saying that the Bills were a little too complacent, if that's your stance, I'm not saying you, anybody, if that's your stance at this offseason, they were a little too complacent with what they got. Points to support that. They got the same exact offensive line, the same fiber back. Now, granted, they were hurt last year at different times. They didn't really play together, but they're back. They did nothing at running back other than adding Matt Breida, which I don't think is going to be a significant difference. Um, the tight end was a question mark, still is. Dawson Knox is still the number one. They signed Jacob Hollister. Uh, you know, who knows? The pass rush was not very good last year. I don't think it's going to be radically different this year. Even the rookies, they used two picks on rookies right at the top of the draft. But how much are they going to? You know, what are they going to do as rookies, realistically? They did nothing at cornerback, literally at all. Levi Wallace is back. Yeah, the only clear upgrade on this roster from last year, and I know a lot of people say Sanders is a big upgrade over John Brown. I don't personally agree with that. I just think John Brown gets hurt too much. But anyway, to me, the only clear upgrade is Mitch Trubisky at, at QB2 over Matt Barkley. But, bro, if Josh Allen gets a serious injury and Mitch Trubisky has to become the guy, they're done regardless, you know? Yeah, it, they di- they definitely rested on their laurels. But at the same time, it's weird because I, 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 under- I understand it. And I, I agree with it. But, yeah, they did rest on their laurels. I mean, they, 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 they did what I think – I think seven out of ten teams would probably do who were in their position. You know what I mean? Right. And we're and – we're, we're, again, Joe, not to cut you off, I'm sorry – I'm intentionally playing devil's advocate. I'm not saying that this is my stance, necessarily my stance, but this is what we're doing on purpose, kind of painting a picture if your attitude is, well, they should have done more, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I I mentioned this on on a couple of podcasts ago. Like, I questioned the Matt Milano re-signing because I I thought you you should have maybe took that money and found a a better, like, found the best, the second second or third best pass rusher in free agency. Right. To bring him here. You know, but they wanted to roll roll him back. I probably wouldn't have done that because I have concerns about his his injury history. And you know, they've you know we we saw what they did with him. Like they're a little bit better on they're better on defense, but they're not. It's not game changers, man. Especially when they go against game changing talent like Mahomes. I mean, if you want me to say this, if they had kept it closer, I felt against Kansas City, then I could be like running back. Like I would have no qualms. Like you bear. Like if they barely lost to the Chiefs, but they didn't. They got. I don't give a. Sh- I don't give a shit what anyone says. That first game was not as close as the scoreboard indicates. No, 
they got run out. They, like they were lucky. They were lucky. And then the second game, the Chiefs just, you know, after the first quarter, they just they just obliterated them. You know, and and, and that's kind of where I'm at a little bit. Like you didn't really, you know, do much. And and it's funny because I, you know, I've, I've seen some people in on Bill's Twitter talk about how like Brandon Bean's like, you know, it's 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 draft, develop, resign. And I'm like. Well, he hasn't really drafted anyone or developed anyone aside from Josh Allen. They they may resign. You know what I mean? It's all been like the first draft class and that first that first like weird hybrid offseason with Whaley, McDermott, and Manos and all those guys. Like those are the guys they've resigned. You know, from that entire that free agent and draft class. Those are the guys who got extended. You know, so I, I don't know. It's I mean, there's still look. I still think they're like a twelve thirteen win team. You know, I mean, the only I, I don't know how they could go downhill. I mean, you know, there's nothing I can see aside from like injuries and, and pass rush maybe is the issue. And if, if, if um, you know, pass rush and injuries are obviously like the big thing for me and the offensive line, like, you know, the offensive line, you know, they still have their issues. And I still I still feel that like they're trying to figure their, their crap out up front and that, you know, even even though they we know who they're t- they're like. 10 guys are down the depth chart. I don't, I don't think they know who's really starting on the interior line. If I'm being p- completely honest, I think they're still right. trying to figure out who those, who their guards are going to be. And, and again, this is going back to the draft. I understand the sensibility of what they did. I understand that within the next year, you're absolutely going to be paying Josh Allen $40 million a year. I get that. I know that, Ultimately, Stefan Diggs has earned and will deserve a raise and we'll get it. I get that. I know Tremaine Edmonds potentially is going to get big money over the long term, at least potentially anyway. I get it. So, and and lots of other guys like Milano just resigned and, and stuff like that. I could keep going on and on and on. I know that you need to get cheap labor going forward when you got a quarterback who's going to be making 40 million or more. I still hate and maybe a couple of years from now, I'll sound like an idiot for saying this. And good. If I do, great. I can understand the two defensive ends. That makes practical sense to me for sure. Because again, Hughes and Addison, this is probably almost certainly their last year in Buffalo. Certainly for Addison, very likely for Jerry Hughes. I hated taking an offensive tackle in the third round, Spencer Brown, because to me, offensive tackle was one of the biggest strengths of this football team. And it's not like either guy is old. They're still relatively young. Darren Williams is only 29 years old. Sign him to a three-year contract. Reasonable money. I mean, he's going to get paid, but still reasonable money for a above-average right tackle. And that move was pretty much made to say, hey, as soon as this guy's okay, we're getting rid of Darren Williams because we could save $8 bucks at right tackle. You know, I just, that's the long-term where it is smart. And again, over the course of, Several years, you're like, well, this is how you build and maintain a a roster that's going to be competitive every year. But again, if your attitude, playing devil's advocate is, well, this is the window right now. Josh Allen has a rookie contract for one more year at least right now. Why are you drafting guys who are not probably even going to play? In a perfect world, Spencer Brown probably doesn't see the field minus injury for at least two, maybe three years. I, I in the third round though that's I, I don't buy that because I think in the third round you're not going to find a, a starter who's starting next year. I really don't. Like as a rookie, first second round, yes, you could probably find. Yeah, but don't you think that don't you think they had a couple of positions where at least third round could have brought instant competition, like corner or tight end? I mean, there, there weren't a lot of tight ends out there. But. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, you could have maybe gone third cornerback in the third, but I, I think. Uh, who knows? I I really don't get the, the, the I, look. I I I followed the draft a little bit from afar. I was kind of like with you, like with the defensive lineman. The offensive tackle was a little bit weird. The thing that I'm befuddled by is cornerback. Like I was just like I like like this like I, I like I was kind of like why are they not drafting a cornerback? Do they not care about that? Like you know, passing league. Like you could use more cornerbacks, I guess. But I think they value. I don't know what the heck. I guess they value defensive linemen more, and then they're they're a little bit they're a little bit older. Yeah, I, I guess you could say they're a little bit older on the defensive line than the the, the, the defensive backs. You know what I mean? Because like you know, even though Hyde and Poyer are both thirty, I think you can last a little bit longer as a defensive back. 
than you can as an edge rusher in the NFL. But uh, that was the one thing I was a little bit befuddled by. Let me let me ask you this real quick. Uh, you know, when we were recording this uh, earlier in the day, we're doing this Monday. There was a Julio Jones thing. Did you see that with Shannon Sharp? Yes. Okay. And, I didn't see it. I heard about it. I read about okay, it. Okay, so he's on the trade block, basically. So I, yeah, he's out. I, I gotta ask you. You, you're Brandon Bean. Think about it, Pat. You're Brandon Bean. You got your hair for once. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, do you make Do you make the move? Would you go and call who? What would you Would you trade for Julio Jones? And what would you give up for him? He's 32 years well, old. Allegedly, they want a first yeah. round pick, which I think is ludicrous because for 32, that's not happening. No way that's happening. Second round pick and sec. It's going to be a second and something else too. It won't just be a straight second. Would I do it? Well, put it this way. If the Bills did that, that would make this last 20 minutes pretty meaningless because <laughs> the the point was is that they've been they've stood pat a little bit too much and they're kind of running it back a little too much for our liking because we're playing devil's advocate. This would completely wipe that out in a second if they did that. I, no. I Would I do it? Yes. But hell yeah, I would do it. Will the Bills? Well, put it this way. Never say never because I will give Brandon Bean credit. He he does pull the trigger on some trades. So I would never say never, but how do you make that work? Money, he's got like three more years left, 15 million. And I know, and especially I know you above ah, all else, your, atti- your attitude is always, your attitude is always, well, I can move money around. I can do this. I can do that. So I know that's what you're going to say yeah. with the money. The money's definitely an issue. The compensation, I look, we just talked about it. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, some of these guys are just about to get paid. And I think the last thing Brandon Bean wants to do is give up draft assets where he could get that cheap labor, where he can get Basham and Rizzo, two defensive ends combined for $4 million next year, or Trent Brown making a million and a half at right tackle for the next four. So it's the second round pick giving up that, uh, like I said, that cheap labor. Long, long-winded answer here. I don't think the Bills are going to do it. If I were the Bills, again, why not? Go for it, man. Go for it. Can you imagine? I don't know what they'd have to give up, a second rounder or something else, but just imagine an offense that rolls out with freaking Stephon Diggs, Julio Jones, and Cole Beasley as your top three. Emmanuel Sanders can be the fourth receiver. Oh, my Lord, man. Dude, what did, Yeah, I would do it. What did I just What did I just say about what, you know, your last game of the year, like the Chiefs wanted to improve their pass protection. They did that. The Bills against the Chiefs, they took away digs and like the offense just sputtered. You get Julio. What's your answer to that? Oh, we're going to get you another weapon that we, that's a stud. And Julio Jones has had like he had injury issues last year, but he's not too many years removed from having like a great, like a great season. Like you get him here there. Yeah. Okay. You want to double Stefan Diggs and take him away with the safety? We got this other guy over here and Julio and like, you know, Julio Jones is a stud. I mean, he's, I mean, and you, you roll out. I would say I, I've, I've made this joke numerous times on Twitter, like go run and shoot, man. Like go four wide receiver sets like Jerry Glanville, Haywood Jeffries, you know, Ernest given days and just go four wide receivers and say, we don't need the tight ends anymore. We're just going to go four well, wide receivers. We'll bring the tight ends in and, and like on the goal line. But like, that would I mean, going back, going back to our point, Joe, it's like, well, we just talked about it. The offensive line's the same. The running backs are the same. They ran the ball shitty last year. So why even bother? If, who cares? Don't run the ball at all. Just get Julio Jones. That'll solve your problems. I Look, Emmanuel good. Sanders is all here for one year. They probably would have to get rid of Cole Beasley, though, because you can't be having your third receiver making like 7.6 well, well, he's a free agent after slot. this. But he's a free agent after next year. And you could just say. After next year, he signed, he signed for 2022 as well. No, no, no. He's, he's 2021, Pat. He's three nah. years. Three years. Nah. You look that up. I'll, I'll, I'll bet you a dollar. I'm looking it up. I'm looking at it right now over the cap. It's a he's going to be deal. 30. No, he's three years, bro. He's This is this is his last year coming up. I don't think so. I think he's still got another year left. John Brown only had a three-year deal. Yeah, and he got cut after his second year. He got right, cut. right. And but Cole Beasley, they, they signed Cole Beasley to a, they signed him to a four-year, twenty-nine million dollar deal. I, Beasley's still around for another year. I'm looking this up because I don't. You're gonna have to. I don't trust you at all, and I'm gonna apologize. I'm telling you, I four four years, twenty-nine million, fourteen point four million guaranteed, and he signed through next year. If Julio ah, Jones ah. came to Buffalo. 
Yeah, it's what I thought. I'm a terrible. I'm thought. Julio I Jones comes here. Trophy. I don't know why out. I thought it was a three year deal. I I ser- I've been having arguments mm-hmm. with people telling me like acting like he's leaving next year or not leaving, but he's a free agent. Okay, well I'm I'm stupid. Okay, my apologies. All right. Uh, yes. You're last right. point. Last point. Then I, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go after this point. But I, I want to make one more point because ultimately, again, we're playing devil's advocate. They didn't do enough, and I believe we talked about this before. I know I've talked about it on the show. I believe I talked about this with you. Ultimately, if the Bills are gonna get over the hump and beat Kansas City, it's gonna be on the younger guys who haven't quite peaked yet, who still got more room to grow. Like what you see is what you get with Stephon Diggs and and Trey White. These guys ain't going to get no better. They're already at the top of their game. I'm talking about guys like Ed Oliver and, and Tremaine Edmonds, and I still think Deion Dawkins could get better, Dawson Knox. Guys like that, is, and I said him already, Ed Oliver. To me, that's the big one because he's in the middle of that defensive line. These young defensive ends, A.J. Epinesa, those guys improving. So if you draft and, and you, uh, you know, if you draft and you develop and these guys play at the level that the staff, thinks they're capable of playing it to me that's ultimately what's going to get you over the hump and some might even say that that means more than trading for a for a holy old jones do you, do you agree with that like that's ultimately going to be what what gets it done versus julio jones impact i mean let's say say going to get a guy like a julio jones or julio jones, somebody along those julio lines. jones i feel is a sure thing we don't know if Ed Oliver and Tremaine Edmonds are sure things, really. I mean, what's wrong with that? Like, hey, he is a little bit older, Julio. He could be he could be on his way to AJ Green, where like you know they came in the same year and he's got the same injury issues. Um, or I don't know if they came in the same year. It might be a year younger, but whatever. Uh, yeah, look, that's that's like the the main thing. Like one of those young guys, two or the three of those young guys need to come through for them to really get over the hump, you know, and. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. One thing I want to ask you real quick, and I know you probably because we haven't been out in a while. Were you were you surprised that they, about them getting four primetime games? Did you think they were going to get more? It feels right about right to me. I I personally, and this is just my opinion, I don't like primetime games. I do like the Thanksgiving game though this, this year, like at New Orleans on Thanksgiving night. I'm not surprised. I feel like. It feels about right. I, I personally don't like it. I'd rather play 16 games Sunday at one o'clock. It's just how I've always been because I like my routines, but I don't know why. You don't think four was enough? I was a little surprised. I thought, because you know why? I And I, I don't care. I don't, I'm, I only care because I, I've t- I mentioned this before. I want to watch games on my, in local TV in, in New York City. So primetime games are a gateway to that. So basically I, I get six guaranteed because it's the two Jets games and then the four primetime games I watch. I kind of thought they were going to get more because they had four last year and I thought they were a much more entertaining team last year and they were going to get more. But then I kind of figured, I I, I kind of noticed the difference is that their schedule last year, I thought was much more sexier than this schedule this year coming up. Cause I think last year, if they had last year's schedule, let's just say they, they had last year's schedule for this year, and they had already had, like, they got to the title game, all those numbers. I think Seattle would have been in play as a primetime game. I think the Rams would have been in play for a primetime game. I think the Cardinals would have been in play for a primetime game. You know, I, I the Steelers would have been in play for a primetime game because they were. They would have been more primetime games, whereas this year, I feel like they're playing the, – the NFC South is not a great division. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not nearly as sexy – outside of Tampa than the NFC West was last year. You know what I mean? Like you could have had sure. all four of those games from last year possibly on. You know what I mean? Whereas I don't feel like that, that that's kind of that's kind of why that's that was to answer my own question. Like why? Because you normally if you're much better and like I thought they were much better. I mean they they won 13 games versus 10. Their offense was must see TV last year where in 2019 their offense was like mad like Josh Allen had some good moments, but it was like they were kind of there, they were kind of a boring team a little bit, you know, but like, you know, that's kind of why I felt they, they maybe, they may have not gotten as many primetime. And no one, com- I don't know if people really complain. I wasn't really on Twitter during the schedule thing. Um, I'm sure people did because people always love complaining about the schedule and the bills, but like, I think more people complain that they only had one home game than they uh, did yeah, about they, having four, four total. Yeah. They always get that. I mean, even I've always, even during the Super Bowl years, 
they, like when they were on primetime like four or five times a year, and this was different. This was like a different primetime era. They would only they would get maybe a, they would get there would be years they only got like one primetime game and they were playing on the road three times for primetime games. Yeah, I, I don't know why that's the case. Someone once told me I don't know I heard this rumor once that like it has to do with the Ralph Wilson Stadium. Like it's not like very good for primetime home games. I don't know if it's to do with like HD cables or some shit. I don't know. I that that's always been a little bit of the rumor. Maybe it's hard to get out of there. I have no idea. But um, yeah, whatever. I mean. Well, it, there's I mean, there's ten teams. There's ten teams in a league that had five. Uh, the Bills were among them of four. There are a couple teams that have five that I'm not really sure they're worthy. But Seattle, Pitts, Seattle. All right, I'll run through the list real quick here. Green Bay, that's fine. Sure. Um, the Saints. Yeah, yeah. I don't know without Drew Brees. Uh, Dallas, of course, Dallas. Seattle, uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Eh. The Rams, that's a little surprising. The 49ers, that's a little surprising. The 49ers got surprising. five primetime games. I mean, yep. yes. I mean, yep. I, I did Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas yeah. City, and uh, and Tampa. They, they, the, Saints, they got five. the Saints one I don't get. There's no more Drew Brees. And I it's. I mean, it's going to be your boy Winston. And I I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't, they, I don't think they should have got five, maybe. But whatever. I mean, like I said, I only care like when it comes. I, I don't, I, I, I'm not like. I don't complain like like Bill's Twitter does. It's kind of like I was a little bit surprised, you know. There was only one game that I cared about, and I it didn't happen. Thankfully, all I cared about when the schedule came out was I knew the Bills had a, there was a chance they were going to be playing in London this year against Jacksonville. I did not want that. I did not want a Sunday morning nine thirty a.m. game in, in London against Jacksonville. That didn't happen. Miami's going there. So that's all I gave a shit about. Bro, I don't get you. You hate primetime games. You hate morning games. You don't you too go early for anywhere football. for games. You just sit on your ass and you're just like tweeting and you're like, eh. I just like, I like habit. I like repetition. I like Sunday one o'clock games. I have the perfect routine for getting up, being up long enough and getting into my day. I, I just, I prefer, <laughs> I like Sunday one o'clock games and I always will. Mm. But uh, anyway, all right, so that's going to do it for today. I'm going to end this with, uh, we hinted at this a little bit, but I'm going to give it an official teaser now. So Joe's busy and, he, and he's moving, packing, all that stuff. Might be a couple weeks or so before I get him back on. But I'm telling everybody right now, this is the official teaser on it. Next time Joe's on the show, we are doing the worst people of Buffalo. And Joe's going to do his homework and he's going to have a list. Homework? Maybe it'll go... What about a- you're gonna do a little bit of homework. You're gonna it's gonna go ten deep. Maybe they might go fifteen deep. Maybe we'll have a couple honorable mentions. But Joe is going to dive in unfiltered, unadulterated, unbiased. Just people in Buffalo that your man does not like. He's gonna say on this podcast what most people on other podcasts stay away from. Oh wow! Joe ain't that dude, though. So follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Buffalo Wins, and stay tuned because it's gonna be coming soon. The Worst of Buffalo, starring Joe from Queens. I'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. A lot of pressure, man. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.